I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Hello, I am Jen Wilson from IamJenWilson.com. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I have, I'm recording this introduction literally just off the call with Amanda. I have Mrs. Brain Trainer, Amanda Trainer, the Queen of Cam. And today's podcast is a format that I've used before. Um, not the usual format. So myself and Amanda had reached out to each other on the same day to see whether or not we would like to be on each other's podcasts. And we decided we'd have a chat. So we had a chat last week and decided that what we would do is we would do a joint podcast. I think that the stories when we do something like this can be much more powerful, much more useful. Um, Amanda is an amazing human being. Um, so much wisdom. So much essence. It's probably a word that's coming to me that I want to use from her. She's just such a beautiful being and we have a fabulous conversation. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. If you're not already following both of us on social media, follow us on social media. Our links are in the show notes. Remember, if you're not already subscribing, to subscribe to the podcast. Check out Amanda's podcast. If you're listening to Amanda's podcast, check out my podcast. Um, my brain is going fuzzy. I think it's too much excitement and joy from that conversation. Um, yeah, what was I saying? I was saying subscribe to the podcast. Oh yeah, leave us a review if you haven't already. Put us, give us a bit of feedback, give us a review, tell people whether or not you like or love it. If there's anybody or people that come into your mind when you are th- listening to this podcast, please share it with them. We both have so many messages and so much information that we want to share with the world and there's a lot of good stuff in this conversation, I'm not going to lie. A lot of good conversation here. So listen, I might have said so too many times. I'm noticing that it's a word that's creeping back in. I had drained it out of myself, but hey-ho, such is life. Have a listen, give us your feedback, give us your shares, remember subscribe, etc. etc. Come and hang out with us on social media. Have an amazing day, be fabulous, and be kind, be curious. The Lord. <laughs> so today's podcast is slightly different format from my usual podcast format. I have done this kind of format before. We are two of us that are podcasters have got together to have a conversation. I think we've um we reached out at the same time to each other saying do you want to be on my podcast and then just decided that a combination one would be quite a good idea to do. So this is my 105th episode oh of my podcast. God. So there's like 105 <laughs> episodes of me 
some of them is just me talking shit and some of them <laughs> is me having amazing conversations <laughs> and today I have Mrs Brain Trainer, the Queen of Cam, Amanda. Yay. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Thanks, hello, I'm so excited about this. Um, as well. Um, so when I was listening to your podcast, I was just like, "Oh, you have got so many synchronicities. This is fun. This is going to be good." Like we're very much on the same wavelength, same path, same, same. Um, what's the word? Message. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. I find just- that actually, like a lot of people that I meet, we're all sort of trying to get the same destination. We're just doing it in different vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we not start off then with you introducing yourself? Okay. So I am the Queen of Kim. Um, on paper, that means a clinical hypnotherapist. Um, I am a mother of a 17-year-old girl. I was a young parent. Um, and I just love to help people. I am very passionate about given everything I've got because I've changed so much like over the years and I'm just like you need to have this like especially young people I'm very very interested in teaching our young generation how to keep calm relax love yourself like I'm all about that journey Mm. motivational stuff I love um I just basically help mother people is yeah. what I, what gives me a, a high. Yeah, yeah. You said when we were chatting before this, that's your drug of choice. Oh my God, I know. I was going to say that there, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm not promoting drugs, guys. <laughs> drugs are for mugs. <laughs> <laughs> but it is generally left. But is not any high like it, though? Nah, when you've but got it, a wee boy... Give you a good example of if you've got a wee boy who walks in your door at eight years old who thinks he cannot do something. You work with him and six weeks or so later he does his sports thing and he runs in your door and tells you I did it with a gold medal. Like, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that you can. <laughs> you, you can't. Um, it doesn't get much better. No. No, there's definitely not. <laughs> I, and you know there's so many people that's came to me about you in the past week or so and they're like <laughs> oh my god I know Jen I went to one of Jen's classes Jen's amazing Jen's so nice <laughs> like why, why do you do what you do and what do you do so I am um, I wrote a book called nine rules to sort your shit I am also a Pilates teacher a yoga teacher massage therapist um, I did my NLP training um, and I have just, I did my TQFE, so that's the teaching qualification for further education back in 2014 and I haven't done anything with it but I was recently approached by somebody to ask if I would run some teacher trainings for them. So I've just done my assessors course, so from 2021 I'm going to start delivering some teacher trainings for them, oh. for them yoga and possibly Pilates as well when he first asked me it was really interesting because my negative you're not good enough to do this very quickly was the first thought of oh no I know I know people that are better than this than me and then (laughs) I was like no hang on a wee minute 
And for me, I know that the best way for me to learn even deeper is to teach other people. So everything 100%. that I do, everything I do is something that I've experienced that I go, oh, that's worked for me. Why don't you not try it? And that's what I want to do when I'm, when I'm helping people. So with the, the yoga, with the Pilates, with the stuff that I've written about in my book, it's all the tools and techniques and things that I've done that I'm just desperate to share with other people so that they can, because like you're saying, you don't, there's, there's no better buzz than oh my God. feeling a sense of achievement. And it's great to feel that sense of achievement for other people, but when you can feel it for yourself and not let the, the negative part of your ego kick in and go, really, you think you're good enough? Mm-hmm. Which that was a very loud voice for me for a long, long time. And I've had mm-hmm. to work really hard to have been able to go, do you know what? I'm not listening to you anymore because I'm allowed to be the best version of myself and not feel yeah. bad about it. Without it's like that permission even, thing. Yeah, and without, and I've had always been very scared of being like that because I was scared of coming across as being arrogant. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some people might listen and go, "She has been arrogant because that's their belief system and that's their their narrative of the world or whatever." But it's not coming from it for me. It's not coming from a place of arrogance. It's coming from a place of genuine. Oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. everybody can feel like this <laughs> like we were speaking about this before like everybody can feel like this so why do they not <laughs> I am um, another way to say what I do is I teach people how to, I, I retrain your brain right so I'm called Mrs mm. Brain Trainer because my surname's trainer my hypnotherapist I do NLP and I, and I train the brain to go in a different direction and I'll, like yourself, I did this through experience. So everything I promote, everything I talk about, it's all because I can come from a place. It comes from an authentic place because it worked for me, which is the only, uh, for me, authenticity is, that, that's the, 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 the gold. Like, that's where you have to be. And when you're there, you can do anything and get over absolutely anything Working with a lot of people just now who are needing and looking for that permission thing, the self-love thing, and they come for a session and they're like, I don't know what I'm missing here. And I go, well, you just need to love yourself. And they're like, ah. <laughs> they start to love themselves and then everything starts working out for them. And it's just like, yeah. and it's, you know, your brain's built for survival. It's always going to go to the negative. It's just the, the way it is. Um, and so... We just need to do a wee bit of brain training and that's what you've did. And, and you just, I mean, repetition. Tell yeah. yourself the same thing enough times and you start to believe it. If you could hear some of the crazy shit I run about my living room saying, <laughs> you would all, you would all. But I know it works because the bad stuff used to work. So that means yeah. the, good, the good stuff works just as powerful. Yeah, definitely. But did you have a significant turning point where you just thought enough's enough of that I need this what was your inspiration point for change I had a few quite big things that happened so I was given it so I had my daughter when I was pregnant when I was 16 I had Tegan when I was 17 and literally never had a thing um 
So I had a baby, a house, and I never had a scooby-doo what was going on. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I never had much support. Um, and so at 19, I used to go to this young parents group because I was like, if I just keep going to courses, I was clued up enough to know that if I go and get more education at some point, I could go and do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so went to this young parents group, get handed a book on the mind and literally boom, that was it for me. The light went on. However, mm-hmm. uh, I never took any action. So I read all the books. I studied every bloody <laughs> personal development guru you could think of. I was Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Oprah Winfrey. You know, I was studying these people day in, day out, but I wasn't taking action. So I had all this knowledge and I talked a really good game, but nothing much was changing. I was a good person, you know, and I was very likable, but I was was in the same environment, the same everything, and, and nothing much was changing. So when I met my current other half, he... He was a big turning point in the positive way in terms of, he was the first person to believe in me. So he was like, you're amazing. He was like, you you should go and do that. Like, go and do, oh my God, you'd be great. And and I had never heard these things before. Um, And so things did start to change. I started taking a wee bit more action, surrounding myself with people who was kind of on that path as well. Came pile away some life coaches, I'd go to the events, and I loved the energy of positive people. So I just kept starting to go with how I felt more and moving towards feeling. So, what made me feel good, I'd go towards that. If something doesn't feel good, then it is not good. <laughs> That's what I learned. <laughs> it doesn't feel good, it's just not good. <laughs> um, but for the for the so so I like yourself I had that self-doubt in myself though so I wanted to be all these amazing things I, I wanted to take over the world and make the place better but I never had the confidence I never had the belief in me um, and but he was slowly building that up and then by taking more action that that also was sort of a building me up and you know, I always, I was like, I'd love to like work with people and be a coach and a, this, that, and the next thing. Watched Marissa appear on the, the YouTube and I was like, oh my God, that's what I need to be. I need to be a hypnotist because hypnotherapy goes to the root. And that's the only way to really get it out is going to the root. So I was like, yeah. but that doubt was there. It was like, I've not got enough money. I can't do that. Like, how? I know for me, like, I want to be good enough for that. Like, and I, and I made every excuse in the book. Um, we got pregnant, and when I was near the end of my pregnancy, we had a stillbirth. So we had a wee baby. Um, so that this was the biggest. Like, this was the part where actually I started to change. Like from that that day. So obviously, like for two weeks, it was hell. Yeah. Um, had to give birth, and we had a funeral, and you know, I kept it very yeah. private. It was just me, him, Tegan, my mum. At the funeral, standing in the crematorium, a sweet coffin, and I put a wee note in it, 
and it was like a wee promise letter and it was like I actually get emotional when I speak it. Uh, I'm getting emotional listening to you. Oh, I wish I could hug you right now. Start the I like lockdown. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I don't know what it was, Jet. Well, actually, I've got a theory. You're a woman who likes a theory. My theory is. Theory. <laughs> my theory is is that when I got that book at nineteen, although I don't think that was doing anything for me for seven, eight years when I wasn't taking action. Somewhere in there, that was programming me. It was making me become a positive person. It was working on my mind. And I honestly put that down to how I was able to handle what happened to us in such a strong sort of a way. So basically at the funeral, I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I think it was the the promise letter. And the promise letter basically said, your life will matter. <clears throat> and so I was like, I'm going to use this. So obviously you've got two choices at this point. We could have easily jumped off a bridge. Easy. Do you know what I mean? But I had Tegan to wake up to every day type of thing as well. And it was like, you could, when you don't have a choice us humans like just I don't know we've got an ability to just we can get on with it you know yeah so at the funeral I beat it was weird I was walking out the crematorium and I googled hypnosis courses because I was telling what the message in my head was saying if you can do this you're freaking fearless like yeah. what could possibly happen to you that you could not get through type of thing so I was like I was, it was fueling me do you know what I mean and I was like I can do anything and so but the course got an interview told my story and she's like I just wanted to get you in you know some people that have been through traumas and um, they can be quite you know, we just want to make sure you're 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 ready for this. So she obviously heard my story and she's like, Wow, like that's amazing. Obviously I then had a year of counselling and that was all very good. But for that day I just became this force and I was like, Your life will matter and I don't know, I just think we've got so much untapped potential. And my whole thing is that I don't feel that we should wait for tragedies to get our shit together. And so one thing led to another, and I believe that as difficult as it is for me to say this, I truly believe that it's mapped out. I definitely think that that was supposed to happen. Because for whatever reason, I I obviously don't know the exact reason, but it made me become a better person, a better mother. It made me get rid of a lot of unnecessaries. And And it really just puts life into perspective and you're just like, does that really matter? On the grand scheme of that, you know? And I became this... 
I don't even know how to describe myself, but one good thing happened after another, after that. What this mentor who came into my life, who was just, she's the most amazing, incredible person. She opened doors for me that you just, it just wouldn't have happened kind of thing. And so much good has came from that. She gave me the confidence. She gave me the, the platform is kind of a blossom. We connected so deeply and she was just like, took me under her wing. And yeah. honestly, I, I owe so much to her. She's, she's just incredible. But things just went from good to better. Like I just started applying myself, helping people. I did a lot of practicing for like, where she would supervise me. She opened her practice doors up to me. I just, and, and you know, I've done course after course over the years and just I've constantly been growing and learning. Um, it's my favourite thing to do is to, is to learn. So um, that was the biggest part, to go back to your question, that, that was the big changing point where I was just like, life's so short, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that made me see that so clearly and it was like, You've got to grab it and just go for it. And I don't know, I just love what I do so deeply. Like, I'm just seeing people succeed. And and all these people I used to read about in books who would say, oh, people come up to me in the street and maybe say, oh, you've changed my life, you've did it. And I used to think, wow, that must be, that must be awesome. And without sounding, it's not in an egotistical way, but this is now my life people are saying this to me like numerous yeah. times a day and it's just like I'm just me Amanda <laughs> <Red Road Flats. laughs> and it's just to say like and you're just we whoever's you know this change is possible for anybody um and I believe so much and I've got this detector for greatness like I can just see good great people and I think everybody's got good in them we just get muffled along the way sometimes with whatever life curveballs Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, that was a another wee roller coaster (laughs) it's amazing how some of the most horrific and tragic things that happen can also be one of the best gifts. 100%. I feel so lucky to have had that wee boy. Yeah. First, like, obviously I feel lucky for the obvious reasons, but he's helped me become this person. Yeah. As well and as my, his my daughter. Spirit is, his spirit is always with you. Like, it's always in your heart. So no matter what I do, he's at the back of my mind and it it totally drives me. I basically turned his death into the most driven experience of my life. Yeah, that's such a powerful story and I wish I could hug you. (laughs) I I will hug you one day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to also know when you get started in this sort of a line of work and why and if there was any big ahas or (laughs) turnarounds for you. (laughs) So when I left school, I picked my career choice based on the fact that, because I had no idea what I wanted to do, 
um, when I went along to, you know, they used to have these big expo things in the SEC where you'd go along and all the colleges and unis mm. would be there to try and like pitch their courses. And I was talking to this guy from one of the colleges who was talking about a travelling tourism course because I wasn't good at school. I wasn't interested in school. I was like, I have not got a clue what I want to do when, when I leave. Um, and because I was the youngest in my year, I had to stay on for fifth year. Um, so I had to do um, some hires. But when I went along to this event, this guy was like, oh, yeah, the travel and tourism class at the end of the year, they get taken to Spain on a holiday for a week. And I was like, that sounds like the course I Ding. want to do. <laughs> that sounds like a great career choice. I'm going to do that. The first time I went abroad was 1990. So I was in just going into high school at that point. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever been abroad. And I remember we went to Spain on a bus. And I remember driving through France and down and into Spain and just being like, my God, what, this is amazing. Like the, mm. the visuals, the experience, people speak different, people dress different, cultures totally different. So went and did travel and tourism and I did that, but I got, I'm the type of person that gets really bored really quickly. Mm. So I would learn something. And then once I learned it, I'm like, right, you need to teach me something else, right? You need to teach me something else. So I got into, I did, when I left uh, college, I got a YTS job, which was like the youth training scheme. So you get paid 45 quid a week to go and get me in full-time employment and get taught, like deliver, like you did a two-year course with it. So when I went into the second year, the new first year that came in, I was asked by my manager to train them. So I was always teaching. So when, as soon as I started in my working life, it was like, you're being taught something, now go and teach somebody else. You're being taught something, now go and teach somebody else. So I was really fortunate to experience That's that. That's amazing. But over the years, it was always me that taught the next first year that came in. So I was always getting that wee, that wee person to mentor, that wee person to nurture oh, and teach. So that was really amazing. And then when I went, I got really fed up with the travel industry did go overseas and worked overseas and I lived in Australia for three years and when I was out there I had started going to the gym quite regularly and the gym that I had gone to I'd been given a personal trainer like for three a part of your membership sign up mm. you got three sessions with a personal trainer and I was kind of watching what they were doing and I was like I quite fancy doing that because I'm seeing how my body's changing when I'm doing this and I'm seeing what you're doing and I could do that and I could probably do it a wee bit better than you're doing it. No offense, <laughs> but he was, he was an interesting character because he would come into this PT session and he'd be like, oh, I've got my silk shorts, my silk pants boxers on today, my socks keep going down. And you're like, that's not appropriate, mate. <laughs> that's oh. totally not appropriate. Um, so when I was coming back home from Australia, I, was, I thought, right now is the perfect opportunity. I'm going back. I don't have a job. I don't have anything I'm going back for the summertime so I can start college in the September because I'd because I'd only been to college and did a national certificate the first time around I still had my full five years of SQA funding to go to mm -hmm. go into full-time education so I'd been in contact with a couple of the colleges while I was in Australia to see this is what I'm interested in doing went to um, North Glasgow College which, which was Springburn College Mm -hmm. and the senior lecturer was there was just like we'd love to have you on the course so I then started doing health fitness and exercise and I studied that for two years and when I knew that I was starting that at college I thought I want to start working in the industry straight away don't have mm -hmm. the qualification so I can't set up as a personal trainer or do fitness instructor or anything but I'm really strong administration skills so I started then looking for an administration job within 
that kind of environment and I got managed to get an admin job with a small like Pilates studio um, doing admin for them the woman that I worked for was very <laughs> she didn't she didn't believe that I needed to have the qualification before I could start doing what I was doing because she had worked in the industry for so long and the industry is very unregulated so mm-hmm. technically and legally you don't need the qualifications to start training clients which I didn't know because I hadn't worked in the industry so she would be like do you want to take the warm-up for this class do you want to take the cool down for this class can you come and start that person's personal training session and I'll jump in and then sometimes she would never appear for the for it so <laughs> although she'd employed me to do administration I was actually getting hands-on experience from yeah. day one of doing this which was brilliant for me um so I worked for her and that she was the reason that I did my Pilates qualification I did that and then through college I then was introduced to other things I then left working for her because I wanted a bigger variety of things I wanted to teach um, indoor cycling so like spin classes I wanted to do this I wanted to do that and I just wanted to get as much experience across the board as I could and then while I was at college um, Brian Costello who's been on my podcast Mm -hmm. um, he's an NLP coach and he had come to college to do this talk to us and his talk was all about having these bungee cords attached to your back and some of them were so thick that they stopped you from moving forwards and you needed to just cut them so that you could take the next step forwards and I'm listening to him and I'm thinking this is really interesting now at this time I'm married to a lovely guy he's Australian um he was really I could see that he was really unhappy here and I was like oh hang on I can't be married anymore. Like Jake needs to go back to Australia because that's where he wants to be. Like he was a surfer. He was used to going out surfing every single morning. Can't do it when you live in Springburn. <laughs> the duck pond doesn't have any waves. <laughs> so, and he had like started smoking loads of weeds, and he was just he was becoming more and more insular. And and I was mm. like, you're not happy here. I'm not happy seeing you not being happy. You need to go back to Australia. And I'd had had tried to have that conversation with him about a year previously, but I didn't have the right language for it. I didn't have the right understanding mm-hmm. of what we were trying to say. And it was that that conversation with, that Brian had had with us that I was just like, that's one of the bungee cords because mm-hmm. I feel bad because he feels bad, but I don't want to feel bad because actually the rest of my life's amazing and I'm progressing forward and I'm doing something else that I love and he's not he feels really stuck so I then had to force that conversation and obviously it happened after we'd had a few drinks at two o'clock <laughs> standard standards but I was just like that we can't do this anymore you have to go back home to Australia so we had that conversation and agreed was that, that really happened. apparent that that's what had to change for you or did like was it like a light bulby thing that just came on? It was. A, it had been apparent. So before we had left Australia, he was getting unwell. He was like really stressed, and I had said to him, "I was like, do you want to come back to Scotland with, with me? Because he'd lived here before. He'd lived that's like we'd met when we lived in Greece, and we had lived here for a few years, and then we'd gone to Australia for a few years. So he had lived here, and he had friends and stuff, but he wasn't connecting with them. And before we had 
left Australia and he had been really unwell and he was losing loads of weight and they thought it was a thyroid problem and I was like no this is stress like are you sure that this is what you want he'd be like yeah 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 it'll be fine it'll be fine and he kind of dismissed it and then not long we got home in the August and I had a conversation with one of my best friends in the December and I had said to him I was like that I think my marriage is going to end and he was like no don't be silly don't be silly everything's going to be fine and I kind of put it back to the back of my mind and then it was the mm-hmm. October right you've had that the it was Brian nearly I feel it was the September Brian came to the college to speak two weeks later me and Jake had that conversation and he went back um was that quite fast then did they just like literally go after it it, it was a month it took a month because when we decided it, the next morning I'm straight on the phone to the travel agents. When can we get a one-way flight to Australia? My husband needs to go back and she's like, oh, no. are you going to be joining them? And I went, no. <laughs> and it was just, I'm going into this, this place of, we need to get this sorted. You need to get a flight home. So we had booked a flight for like the 21st of October or something. Now my mum and dad were going on holiday for the school October week, which usually happens around the 10th. And I knew that if I had told my mum and dad what was happening, they wouldn't have gone on holiday. Mm. So we then had to keep that quiet until Gosh. my mum and dad went on holiday and came back. And then when they came back, I then went by the agents come back to Australia. But when he had told his mum, his mum had loads of frequent flyer points with Qantas. So she was like, I'll get you a business class flight back so that you can pack more of your stuff and all that. But it ended up, it was like the beginning of November before he went back because she kept going, getting put on wait lists for these flights. And it was getting to the point I was like, I need to know what date that this is happening because mm-hmm. at the moment it's all just in limbo and we can't have this situation in limbo. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need it. So eventually he did go then at the beginning of the November. And I was like, it's the right thing to happen. It's going to make us both happier. And again, I was still in this mode of everything's okay. And one of my my friends, she had split up with her boyfriend at the summer. So she ended up moving in with me. And we were in the arches every single weekend. (laughs) Can you get like a frequent like visitor pass for here like can I get a season <laughs> ticket because I'm in here every week and I'm spending like 25 30 quid a ticket I want discounts for all this um, <laughs> they said no <laughs> <laughs> but we would go out and sometimes we would be in the Archie's Friday night and Saturday night so we were out absolutely seeds Friday night Saturday night we would have beer for breakfast in the morning if we didn't need to drive anywhere like it was messy and we did that for a good eight or nine months solid we are we just partied everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine and then she was going away with her family for a weekend and I was sitting sorting out a playlist for a class started dragging the music into the into the file box in iTunes and then all of a sudden I just burst into tears and for the whole weekend I just cried and cried and cried and I'm like underneath the kitchen table going what the fuck's wrong with me why am I crying why am I crying so I'd message then messaged Brian and I was like I've started crying for some reason and I'm not really sure why and he's like your marriage ended like eight months ago could be something to do with that (laughs) really (laughs) so I had a conversation with him and we ended up getting together and he did a lot of NLP work with me while I personal trained him so we did a nice wee so all that NLP work started helping uncovered unraveled things all the the times that I didn't believe in myself and trying to remember all the times that I did so that that's what I was re-imprinting to help move that forward and then Brian had 
um, asked me if I wanted to do the NLP practitioner courses. I was like, this stuff's amazing. My clients need this because I had loads of clients that would come and they would never lose weight or they would start losing weight and get to a certain point and then just disappear off the radar. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you show them, they were as unfit as they had ever been in me behaviour than they had ever been in. I was like, what is going on with them? But they were getting stuck in these wee cycles of mm-hmm. their bungee cord wasn't getting cut. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they didn't have that belief to help them move forward and they were getting mm-hmm. stuck in that. So when I then started learning the NLP stuff and I could have better conversations with people, mm-hmm. a lot of time, quite often my clients will come along and when we're working one-to-one, a lot of the time is spent us having a conversation. It's not them doing any kind of work or any kind of fitness. And it's My like, mentor, she, she used to say to me, honey, most of the work's done in the chairs. <laughs> like when you're sitting talking, <laughs> yeah. it's not the hit. No, a lot of it's yeah. you're priming the brain, you're prepping, you're, you're exciting the, the subconscious and you're giving it metaphors or whatever you're kind of doing yeah. for it to let go. Yeah. Yeah, Love it. NLP is amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So that was like the sort of trigger point into this this part of the journey. And then there's been ups and downs all along it. <laughs> have you have you um was is there like a grieving process to like a marriage breakup? Like how yeah. did you do you, do you feel like does it, did you go through a whole process for that? Yeah, there is definitely, I didn't, what I had done at the start was I didn't allow myself to grieve because I didn't think, Mm -hmm. because it it was logically, it was the right thing to do for both of us. So I didn't let myself feel sad about it. I didn't let myself, and because it was a, it was a joint agreement, there was no anger towards anybody. So I couldn't feel angry, even Mm -hmm. though I did feel angry because he walked away and left, Mm -hmm. you know, and didn't say I really want to stay here, but I need to go. Like nothing was said. It was just like bye, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was it. So there definitely was a grieving process, but I had to be taken to it, and mm-hmm. that's what the work that I did with Brian. And it's we were together. Me and Jake had been together for oh, I don't know seven and a half eight years or something like that, mm-hmm. and then just for it to to end like that. So I was after we split up. I was single for about six and a half years before. I was even, and even then I wasn't on the radar for letting somebody in. When yeah. Chris came into my life, and he's my partner now, when he came into my life, I was just like, oh yeah, we're just hanging out, we're just seeing how things are. And we started hanging out and seeing how things how, how things were sort of <laughs> July, August time. And it was around the December time I was like that time. So we've had a couple of nights out this weekend, this must be us starting to get serious. And he just looked at me and he's like, we've been serious for ages. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Took it took such a long time. I mean, my friends used to laugh at me. This the black Google out with this like shield around you. Nobody's mm-hmm. getting past that. Nobody's getting past that. You might be there. And <laughs> or you might kiss somebody or whatever, but it was just like not interested, not interested, not interested. Stay away, stay away, stay away. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then he managed to somehow climb over the wall and I'm like, how fuck you? <laughs> <laughs> I can so really relate to that story, and I think actually a lot of people probably will as well. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's so cool, but like I was listening to your story, and you must have these natural like 
teaching qualities that people just see and put you there as a leader and what is it you love about teaching and, and what do you do with people now? I love people's light bulb going on. I love seeing mm. that look in their eye when they're like, oh, right, okay. And finding that belief in themselves about their ability or if they've been really struggling with, like just now when I'm teaching people how to do a plank or how to do a Pilates move and you can see in their brain trying to work out because they've maybe never been connected to their body. Like they, mm-hmm. they live in this, this suit, but they've never thought about how is this arm in space versus this leg in space? Like mm-hmm. how do I make some sort of connection? And being able to look at somebody and try and talk them into it and seeing them not get it. So you're like, right, I'm going to video you doing this. Right, have a look. This is what you look like when you do this. Now look at how I'm when I do it. Mm-hmm. Now how, what, how can we work this out? for you to be able to work this out because it could be quite easy for me to manhandle somebody and put them into a position and go this is the position and occasionally I do have to do that Mm -hmm. to touch people obviously Um, (laughs) but it's much more beneficial for somebody to be able to work it out for themselves and then go oh right okay now I get it Mm -hmm. and it's that Mm -hmm. oh right okay now I get it that's what I love seeing I love that when you can take them there and they learn so much better mm-hmm. from that than having that reliance on you moving their body into a certain position or you doing something for them. Because when yes. somebody's, te- somebody's teaching me, I can sit and they'll show me and I'll be like, right, okay, I need to do it because I can't do it until I've done it. That's me. I'm like a, it's like a practical learner. It's like, yeah. I need to physically, you can tell me all day long, but... Unless I, I, I do it with my hands or whatever, then yeah. it's experiential, I suppose. Yeah. I think as well, like, what I love most about you is, no, I don't know if it's the most thing, but because there's lots of things, but I love, like, your communication skills and that from the people that have came to me and been like, oh, my God, Jen's amazing. Like, you're so much more than just Pilates teacher or, you know, you're, like, a holistic you, um, thing of it because... Paul, it was Paul Shields. I yeah. talk about Paul in every podcast because he's like... Because <laughs> Paul's our honestly, all-star when it comes yeah, to... It's like a total stuff. wee angel that's just <laughs> fell down from the sky. But he was like, you need to speak to Jen Wilson. Like, she's amazing. And so then that was me on your grid. And it was like, baby Jen in our jammies. I was just like, this woman talks so much sense. <laughs> and she says it in a way that I want to aspire to say stuff in. <laughs> and, and I was just hooked for that. So the, your communication skills are, honestly, I just, I think they're so good. And I think probably your clients get so much more than just exercise from you. Um, would you yeah, agree? It's interesting when I learn something, I remember being at uni and when I wrote my essays at uni, I would be like, I feel like I've just totally dumbed down this whole situation because I take something and there's all this jargon and all these big words and I'm like, oh, I don't know what any of that means. So I then have to <laughs> read it down in my head so that I understand what that means so that then mm. I can relay it. Because I remember when I was at college the very first time, I remember one of the lecturers saying, don't speak to your clients in jargon because that will make them feel inferior. And that's always stuck in my head. I mean, I see mm. 
there's amazing coaches out there, but they talk the language of their their world. Yes. And if you don't know that language of that world, you mm-hmm. can be sitting there going, I don't know what they're talking about. Because when I teach a yoga class, I never use any of the Sanskrit names. Mm-hmm. I can't say most of the Sanskrit names. <laughs> so it's going to happen. I look at it and I go, there's lots of Bs and Js and As and Ns in that. so I'm always I don't want to say I dumb things down or I don't like the word layman terms but I break things down in my head so that I get a good understanding of it Mm -hmm. so that when I can explain it to somebody because if you can't break something down and really explain something to somebody you don't understand it fully yourself yes I 100% agree with that yeah um, but I think I think the the master skill there is that <laughs> the being able to dumb it down. I think that is such a quality skill which mm-hmm. I I I'd like to possess. Uh, so I'm going to keep yeah. watching your your things. I think, and I think somebody said you should be able to teach whatever you're teaching. You should be able to teach it to a three year old, or it might uh-huh. be a five year old or an eight year old or something. But it was to a child. <laughs> so if you yeah. can teach this to a child and they understand it, then anybody should be able to understand it. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. I'm teaching it to the the child in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> this young me who didn't believe that I was good enough because all through school I wasn't interested I wasn't engaged because they weren't speaking a language that I, I spoke they weren't teaching me stuff I was even interested in and I'm mm-hmm. like what's the point in filling my brain with nonsense that makes no sense mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even remember school like it was that irrelevant like I learned nothing I can tell you one thing about school and I don't know whether I put a block there because it was just crap <laughs> like it just does not interest I, I like the people I like the conversation I like the the, the interesting chats and learning about things that I like yeah. and I think that's where schools need to seriously update the systems without going down a big rabbit hole like literally like <laughs> teach a child what they are interested in <laughs> teach a child about themselves maybe they would like that <laughs> yeah I think the world would be a very different place if we did oh, that at best it, it would, I mean have you ever seen that YouTube video of the wee girl right probably not about affirmations and everything she's about three years old she's in her bathroom she's going I love my house I love my dad I like my toys I am good. I am so good. Like, can you imagine who she ends up being oh, in her life? Like, yeah. That's what the kids should be doing all day, I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. What about you are, sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say, when you're working with clients, do you often see the same patterns appearing that you may be recognized in yourself yes I don't know what it is Jen but like everybody that I come into contact with it's as if I know them and it's only because I a feel like I know them I b feel like I've been sent to them and I see I feel like I always know what they need to get them tasks whatever it is and I think it all is because of I, I really understand human behaviour. I've watched myself go through it all. And I, and I, and no matter who comes in to see me, no matter if they have millions of money, 
10 bedroom house or if they're just my sister everybody all wants the same thing so they're all looking for peace of mind and a peace they want relaxation which none of them are doing and then I teach mm-hmm. them that they want love so I teach them you know you need to love you first but they all want the same things and another thing which is a pattern is that no matter what they're in for it could be anything it's always self-esteem and confidence we're always starting there we're always it's always the root problem because we've all been bashed along the way so when we start building at that level and I know all this because it was like that for me like so it is like your your question I kind of know what they want need and what works because I've basically did it all myself and I've I've had enough experience to see pattern I mean the patterns are ridiculous just in people in general aren't they (laughs) (laughs) where do you think that comes from that lack of love lack of self-belief oh obviously childhood um I don't know about you but I wasn't told to go and have a wee self-care Sunday or (laughs) go tell yourself you're enough in that mirror Amanda do you know what I mean and it's because of obviously you know they never got it and they never got it and it goes down the generations but I always remember like without mentioning names somebody would say you pure love yourself and so anybody that wore a bit of makeup or like, like to look presentable yeah. and it's it was like seems a negative right and yeah. then I would come across people for school and they'll go you've changed and I'm like a compliment thanks <laughs> that's the whole point yeah but back then like that's what I would say now but at the time I was like oh my god like as if it was a negative thing yeah and I'm all about the whole our job is to break the freaking cycles so it's not good enough that my mum would say oh but it's because your granny was like that like stop the cycle or your child is downloading that shit now having said that you can't even get mad at them either because you're doing your best you until you know better when you know better you do better um and you know their parents f them up as well so (laughs) In the nicest way possible, do you know? And yeah. you need to break the cycle. So I'm, I'm a huge promoter of, I don't want to be downloading that stuff onto Tegan, who's been the biggest teacher in my life. She's saved me numerous times. It's as if she was definitely sent at 16 for, to, to get me through, like, so she teaches you to be selfless. Like, I, I don't remember life without her. Um, and she's she teaches you unconditional. She's, she's a mother. She looks after me. <laughs> she's so, like, in- emotionally intelligent for a child. I can't remember how I went off on that tangent, but the lack comes from your role models. Yeah. And so get better role models. Go for it. I'm a big proponent. You need to get mentors into these young people um and even if you can't get an in-person one bloody I've got about 50 virtual ones so I'm online I don't watch the telly so I just study amazing people 
studying success is my one of my first loves it's what I've did for I got that book and yeah. they all promote get a mentor get a mentor that's the one thing that all of them agree yeah. with is to get yourself a mentor and that is because you're wanting it obviously because you're wanting somebody who's in a position where you want to be first of all these people really want to help and give like is what I've found along the way people don't oh they why would they want to talk to a wee just me boring old me but they do because they yeah. want to pass that on um the same as they do so, Aye, it's yeah. exactly that. We just want to give, 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 give. Because what's the point of taking it to the coffin? That's something I keep saying. I heard Kevin have yeah. Harp saying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love watching his stuff. But mentors are where it's at. And I don't care if you're still in training. That's a better, even better if you're not even there yet. Because they'll open doors as quick as we are up the ladder, I feel. And you're learning from exact. I mean... Mine's was extra, extraordinary. I feel like I was so lucky and she was such gold, like high standard. Like everything that woman did, she did because she knew I was watching how she spoke to people, how she treated others. I used to leave her practice and I felt a million dollars. Yeah. She made me feel and, and that's what I wanted to do and, and I and I have since then took on two young girls who I mentor and that's what I hope to give to them as well and, and they're doing great and it's just all about passing it on. Yeah. Do you think that the younger generations are waking up faster? Like when I look at people that are 17, 18 and I'm thinking, gee, man, you've got more wisdom than I did at that age. Aye, they're, they're, they're bold. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, because I, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, why would anybody want to bring a child into this world? This world's fucked up. But then when I look at how they are switching on and they're becoming wiser much faster, and I don't know if it's because of the internet or mm. if it's if it's because the generation before has learned the lessons and they're passing them on. Mm-hmm. And everyone's mm-hmm. everybody is actually learning, maybe not at the high speed that we would like them to. But do you notice that or is that just me making stuff up? Yeah, no, 100%. It's because of Google. Of course you're going to be wiser if you can punch literally anything, although it's not accurate information you're going to always receive back. But (laughs) it's so easy to get information. And that's, I mean, I've got a really love-hate relationship with internet. Having a daughter who's stuck to her phone is not fun. Like, it breaks my heart. And it's probably my fault because you get you get them these phones, but she, I mean she doesn't watch TV, which is is quite good, and uh, she's she's quite switched on. But um, it's because of the internet. So the internet, obviously, you've got the bad side. Yeah. But if you get bad, then there must be good. So I choose to look for for the good and. The good thing about the internet is YouTube is how I change. Like YouTube is your friend. Like if you need to learn anything, YouTube it and you'll basically get shown exactly how to do it. So people use excuses, but the information's out there. Like it just is that that's the reality that the problem is taking the action and the belief that you can just take that wee step. Do you know what I mean? Just try 
Yeah. If I had that name on my gravestone, it would be always a trier because I'll try anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Mine is curious. <laughs> oh. I always ask my mum like that, what was I like when I was wee? Because you know people say, think back to what you were like when you were really young and uh-huh. that's who you are more at your true essence. And my mum's like that. You were stubborn <laughs> and strong-willed, but curious. I love that. I was really curious and I'm still, if somebody gives me an answer that doesn't ring true for me or doesn't fully explain what it is that I'm asking, I'm like, no, tell me more. Like, make me understand mm-hmm. because just because isn't a good enough reason. I like that. And I think when you're speaking to someone as well, when you are, truly interested and like you're just constantly digging deeper I think that's one of the most beautiful exchanges you can actually have with a person because they're curious like people like that they they like people that want to know more and vice versa yeah definitely how important is having accountability to you Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm so well trained I have to admit like that got myself into right good habits life's all about good habits um because when shit hits the fan you're bouncing to default and if you're default shit (laughs) then your life is not going to feel good it's going to be ugly but if you've got good habits there then you'll be still all right you'll you'll bounce back faster so accountability is powerful i never really done well with that (laughs) (laughs) I hate having to answer to people probably. So so they, do you mean accountability in terms of having a person there that you need to report back to about doing certain things? Either. Because some people mm. need, say that they need that external accountability and then other people are just like, I can hold myself accountable if I let myself down. Uh, I've been in two sides of the coin yeah. and it's much easier to hold yourself accountable actually but you can only get to that point when you really like who you are when you like see if I'm eating bad Jen like I get so like like I I, I care a lot about feeling good like I put a lot of energy and time into feeling good because in order for me to help somebody get out their position I need to be in a good psyche energetically driven space so um See, when I'm falling off wagons and eating Krispy Kreme and then a chippy and whatever, I get quite, not upset as as dramatic, but I don't like it because I I really, I feel like I'm, I know better and, you know, to feel my body and for me to be happy, like I need to be doing the right things. Um, However, accountability for somebody starting out on the journey of self-discovery or whatever is so valuable and if you've got resources that can do that for you then 100% like my PT is pure <laughs> she's like a, like she takes no prisoners and I, and I like that <laughs> and I, I actually do need it in, in that respect and the, yeah. the fitness side of things um, so I, I think it has its place what about you what's your experience with it? Same it, it depends on what what avenue mm. of my life and where I'm at mentally. Like there are yeah. some times I can just my to do lists enough accountability for me. Yeah. And then there are other times I need somebody like that. Have you done that yet, Jen? Have you done that? Mm-hmm. Or I need to say it mm-hmm. out on social media, oh I'm gonna have this done by this date. Mm-hmm. So that it's done. 
I can actually relate to the, the, the list thing and the social media thing. And Paul actually has been great for me in terms of, he's basically like, here's a list. And he sends me and he checks up on me and he's like, can you send me that? It's bloody great. So <laughs> and, and for podcasting, oh my God. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm such a busy pair. Like I've got a lot, lot going on. Like having him there, he sends me... Can you send that? Can you do that? I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk about your. Avenues. Sorry, say that again. No, I said we definitely need it for some avenues. Yes, aye. Yeah. So some, some, I think there's definitely got its place, but others then we we're responsible for our own lives. We need to we need to just face the facts with that. Other people. Do not make you feel a certain way, but they do. And we like to say, oh, I see myself this way because such and such. But actually, Wayne Dyer, you know, you're, you're only someone's audiobooks only like an hour and 13 minutes. It's worth a listen to anybody who's maybe been self-projecting themselves or, you know, hate my legs, hate my, my height, hate my eyes, hate my hair. Like, yeah. Stop doing that shit, and you're responsible. So it's not about how other people see you; like it's about how you see and speak to yourself. That's the most because nobody's words are more powerful than yours. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how I, I think with being responsible, you just you just have to, and and see until we get to that space, then you're just going to keep having to relearn lessons, and they'll just keep coming <laughs> up. They'll show up, and they. I learned about I wish somebody told me that earlier. For <laughs> <laughs> years, I was making the same mistakes, honest to God. And it, and it was mostly money mistakes because I, I basically didn't have any. And I wouldn't pay my bills, though. And I would, you know, go and party and do silly things. And I would never learn my lesson. But you know, I was doing partying and all that because I was trying to escape how shit my life was, but that's yeah. another rabbit hole. But <laughs> um, I kept getting these lessons come up and up and up, and it wasn't until probably maybe about nine years ago I started being like, ah, right, so when you take the lesson and you apply it, that stops happening. <laughs> that was a revelation. Penny dropped. <laughs> and it's so bloody self-explanatory as well, but... I think when you realise it, you go, that's so obvious. Like, uh-huh. how did I not know that? <laughs> I want to know more about your... Um, you talk a lot about Crohn's mm-hmm. and something you've been battling. How, when did that, that happen for you? I got diagnosed in March 2017. Okay. So and did you never have any there. stomach issues or anything before nope. that? Biggest surprise in my life. When I went to the GP and I was like having these issues and I was explaining to him my symptoms... And he went, I think you've got inflammatory bowel disease. And I just kind of looked at him, I was like, I don't really know what that is. I'll need to go and Google that when I come out of here. But he's like, we won't know until we've done some tests. So I went away and I, I Googled what inflammatory bowel disease was. And it was like, to keep it settled, you want to be eating, eating the rainbow, make sure you exercise every day. There was some basic stuff. And I'm looking at it going, I do all that stuff. So there's no way I can have, have I, this. No, he's certainly plums. 
he's got him, he's made and the, I question everybody <laughs> <laughs> and then he came back and went oh no your inflammation markers are really high we're going to need to send you in for a colonoscopy um, to put a camera in to have a look to see what's going on so from when was that I went to see I went to see him and we saw the GP at the beginning of February 2017 and it was the beginning of March 2017 that I had the colonoscopy and they confirmed that I had Crohn's colitis I had inflammation and ulcers all through my colon. Mm. Um, so that was like quite a quite a shock to my system. So I was I used to teach twenty plus classes a week. Wow. Seven or eight of them would have been spin classes. Then there was Pilates and other types of fitness classes on top of that. Plus I would go to the gym and do workouts, and I walked everywhere as well because I would be in the city centre and I'd be at one end and then that end and all over the place um so I went from that to not being able to teach anything at all um the I lost I used to be 65 kilos really consistently within two or three weeks I dropped down to 51 kilos wow when you're I'm five foot eight and a half so that's like pretty dangerously light Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the consultant was like we're going to have to put you on this medication. We're going to have to do this to try and calm the inflammation down and get things under control. And I was just, I would just sit and like, like whatever, man, I just need this pain to stop. I just need to stop going to the toilet and just need to, this is no good. So I responded to the medication that they put me on really quickly. And, mm-hmm. and I know people that have got Crohn's and I know people that live with Crohn's that are on no medication at all. So that was my focus point. Mm-hmm. They're not on medication. That's where I want to be. So as mm-hmm. soon as all my inflammation markers started going down, I started asking at the hospital. I was like, I want to come off the medication. I want to come off. And they were not keen for me to come off the medication. They were just like, no, you really should stay on it. You're, you, we don't know how stable you are. But when I spoke to the consultant, and I'd stayed stable for a good six or eight months, and he's like, the disease is silent in your body. We'll try and see how you are coming off the medication. But obviously, if things start to reverse, we need to put you back on. So that was mm-hmm. that was fine. I went a whole year without any medication. I'd done lots of things. I'd been taking a step back and looking at, right, I have this thing. What is it? How does it happen in your body? What causes inflammation in your body? What causes that to go out of control? Things like not getting enough sleep. I used to sleep maybe four hours a night if I was lucky because the way my work schedule was, I would be teaching classes until eight or nine o'clock at night. I'd have that buzz of having taught a class, come home, I'd have some dinner, I'd faff about on the computer. I would maybe be getting to bed midnight or after and then I would be back up to teach another class at seven o'clock the next morning. And then mm-hmm. my day would continue and I'd be out and about running all over the place. So sleep deprivation is a major, major player on causing mm-hmm. inflammation. Chronic stress, although I didn't feel stressed, mm-hmm. the physical stress of doing exercise and the bottling up of emotions, although I had done all this work with Brian mm-hmm. and stuff, there was still a lot of emotions that I hadn't dealt with because I didn't know that they were there that needed to be dealt with. All of that being swallowed down and having all these distractions causes inflammation in the body as well. So when I then started realising the psychological impact of all this stuff on my physical body, I was like, all right, okay. So I was dealing with that and I think I went for other hypnosis sessions and 
went for other things and dealt with a lot of stuff. And then in January last year, my grand passed away and it was quite quick from her going in, she went in the hospital on the 1st of January and then the 10th of January she, she had died. And it was like, she was going to get out the other day and then she just very suddenly turns and she passed away. But when she was told that she was getting out, she was told that she was going to have a nebulizer and she was going to be on oxygen in the house. Mm-hmm. And and she, had, she was somebody who was very independent. At 90 years old, she used to still go down to... Deloney's in Kirkintilloch to meet her pals and have tea and all that and the mm. thought for her the thought of being stuck in the house all day every day on oxygen and on a nebulizer she just mm. went no I'm not doing that I'm checking mm. out of here see you later guys <laughs> <laughs> but I can see and I can laugh about now but that was my gran had been hugely hugely influential mm. in, in my life and you go it's great that she lived to 90 and I had her in my life for 40 years, but the double-edged sword of that is she was in my life for 40 years and yes. now she's not. Oh my God. So that caused me to go into another flare. So 2019, I was worse than I had been the first time round because when it, I didn't know that I was in flare to start with because I didn't know the symptoms of it coming up. I wasn't I didn't know that fatigue was a symptom. I didn't, well, mm-hmm. I knew that there were symptoms, but I didn't know what order they came in. So I was experiencing really bad fatigue. And instead of resting, I would just keep pushing through because mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't know how to deal with grief. Mm-hmm. Although I had been through that stuff with my marriage ending, I didn't know how to grieve the loss of somebody. Mm-hmm. Because at 11 years old, I learned if you just keep busy, you don't need mm-hmm. to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do that, but what was happening is I was getting all these signs and all these signals, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, hang on a minute, I'm in a really bad flare here," and then had to go back to scratch of going back onto medication. But I I'm really sensitive to medications. Mm-hmm. The steroids that they put me on were making my bills worse because they're um, they flood your body with cortisol, which you know is one of the one of the stress hormones, but they do that to dampen your immune system but what was happening Mm -hmm. is it was actually making my symptoms worse so when you go on them for Crohn's you start off on like a seven day course and then have to gradually wean yourself off them you can't just stop taking them Mm -hmm. I was having sleepless nights and getting a bit manic and not being able to eat and not being able to even string a sentence together and I was like you need to get me off this medication really quickly so I went on to another medication, which has helped gradually dampen it. But because I'm trying to, what I've realized more recently is because I'm trying to cling on to, this is an emotional problem. So I need Mm -hmm. to deal with all my emotional stress and I won't get better until I've dealt Mm -hmm. with all the emotional stuff. That's prolonged me being Mm -hmm. stuck in this illness. And I think it was, I think I said when we were chatting last week, I only had this light bulb moment like two two weeks ago of, oh, I know why I'm still ill because I think I need to deal with all that first mm-hmm. and I'm holding on to the illness while I, I deal with that rather than getting allowing my body to get better. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to Eckhart Tolle um, in that New Earth book and he was in the, the audio, he talks about a woman who was saying like, what do I do about the illness? Because he says, don't feed your illness with constant Mm. thoughts and constant power it's like a thing to say to yourself is 
I am in a process of healing and I'm doing everything I can and I'm getting towards a good place. So I've like got this written down and we post it notes everywhere to mm. remind me I am healing and I'm in a, in a place and then I can let go of that. It's like, yeah, there is still emotional stuff that I need to deal with, but mm -hmm. I'm working on it. But mm -hmm. I need to let my body to heal so mm -hmm. that it goes hand in hand with each other. I find it so fascinating and very impressed that you totally accept that I fully believe all physical things are emotional things, right? And yep. things, for want of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I believe that, you know, when we're repressing, so whatever you're talking about when you were 11, that you've, you've learned to just, to just press that down, go on with it kind of thing. My belief is that when we repress, it's, it's, it's all, everything's energy, right? Anxiety's yeah. energy, emotions are energy if you're angry that's an energy and we're repressing all of this stuff and this stuff it has to go somewhere so it's going to manifest in another way I fully believe that it's going to manifest in anger it's going to manifest in disease it's going to manifest in anxiety and I definitely think um that that links emotional trauma hundred million percent links to physical physical yeah. ailments do you are you like wholeheartedly set on that that's what this because yeah. in my industry they, they say IBS comes from anxiety like being an anxious child yeah um and you're constantly, I don't know if it's a, being so tense. I don't know mm. why they say it. I've never really delved into it too much. But it is, it's, it's about relaxing more, I suppose. Must be a big thing for you. Does that, does that massively help? Yeah, and relaxing is something that I have to work at. It doesn't mm -hmm. come naturally to me because I am naturally a doer. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm, I've read a lot of Renee Brown work and she's like first child is normally more type A mm -hmm. action taker, doer, fixer that kind of mm -hmm. on the go, on the go and I used to think that if you were relaxing you were lazy that was like mm -hmm. a story I was telling myself yeah, bully. and probably projecting out into the world as well at that point of yeah rest days rest days are for the week I mean I worked in the fitness industry which was a go hard go home kind of message mm -hmm. that was very very intense there mm -hmm. like you can you'll sleep when you're dead all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. was always in my head and I, I lived by that kind of attitude but I've gone off on a tangent I can't remember where I was going with that relaxing <laughs> yeah, relax. <laughs> <laughs> so, I quite often have to get something external to help me relax whether mm -hmm. it's a guided meditation or whether it's a piece of music and I know when I do my meditation in the morning I do a chant meditation because that's a distraction to get me out of my head I, mm -hmm. I've been learning a lot with um, Ram Dash recently and he's like the chants are a tool the beads are a tool the yogas are a tool everything mm -hmm. is a tool to help you get to this place of calm and quiet and being mm -hmm. and you use all the tools you need until mm -hmm. it becomes a much more natural process and he was doing that this for like 40 years and still going I still need my tools and I'm oh, like aye. 
Ja, maar dat kan niet meer zijn. Als je dat niet met ons is, dan ga je niet iets voor For you to be able to downregulate and relax and switch your brain off. Because I know when we spoke last week and you were like, I don't watch TV, the only thing I do is I, I watch stuff on YouTube. I'm always learning, I'm always learning. I can get like that. But if I get like that, my brain's always switched on. I don't relax into it. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. consciously will go to Netflix and I can binge watch a, a show. Yeah. But I'm doing it consciously. That's your switch off. That's my switch off. Because otherwise, I, I've got a whole wall of books. Mm-hmm. On that whole wall of books, I didn't know non-fiction. Everybody, <laughs> no. It's all non-fiction. There is no fiction books here. And I'm like, Oh, if I pick up a book to read, I'm educating myself in something. So my brain's still going. I'm not mm-hmm. relaxing in a space that I want to be able to relax in. So mm-hmm. I have to use external things to help me get there because mm-hmm. it is so beneficial. I got a, a whoop strap. So a whoop strap measures your oh. heart rate variability. Your heart rate variability tells you when your body's under physical stress. Mm-hmm. So I, that uploads every morning, tells me how my sleep's been. It tells me, it gives me data so that I can see, right, I'm in a red day. I need to have more downtime today. Mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. easily override that feeling of <laughs> I don't keep going. Oh, I'm in a yellow day today, right, I need to be conscious of that. Oh, I'm in a green day, that's good. That means I can do a wee bit more. So mm-hmm. I, have, I then have to use some data to help me recognise these internal signals more so that mm-hmm. I respond to them rather than mm-hmm. going... Oh, I'll rest tomorrow because then tomorrow comes and something else interesting happens that I want to do. <laughs> with it, like like you were saying, the internet, there's so much information there. You can learn anything oh. that you want. And if it didn't make me un- so unwell to do it, I would sit there and just be mm-hmm. like, learn, 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 learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm a woman who should just live in a spa. Like I'm just getting this bedroom done up. I'll, I'll need to send you some pictures, but it's like a proper sanctuary and like I spend so much time relaxing and and if I'm doing hypnosis with people I'm away in that trance as well so you know what do you do to help you relax I just am relaxed I don't know what I don't know some people are like some people are very sympathetic as they are go-to and other people are sympathetic go-to and I'm sympathetic nervous system I've never really thought about about it I love a bath I love putting my salt lamp on I love a candle I love a walk I love um, what else do I love trying to think what I do to just actually I find YouTube relaxing learning I find learning quite a relaxing experience but you know, people are really starting to realise now that it's only in a relaxed state that we can heal. Um, and when we're when we're switching that vagus nerve, which is the relaxation response, yeah. we are giving our body time to go and heal all our parts. And if I if, say, see if I was a doctor, right, and I had a prescription <laughs> for a Crohn's for a Crohn's yeah. disease patient, I would go heavy like times one billion on the relaxation I think that would be the biggest medicine that you could ever have I would have fasting do you ever do fasting yeah yeah every day fasting relaxation and the Wim Hof breathing and cold showers because that reboots your system so it's like boom shorten the system and in the breathing 
my partner told me this and I thought it was excellent. He, are you into Wim Hof? Have you, have you heard about him? I have and I've tried it and it triggers panic attacks. It tri- triggers oh, the wow. symptoms of a panic attack. So in my head, I'm like, there's nothing wrong here. What the hell? But physiologically, I'm in the state of a panic attack. That's so interesting. Do you mean like yeah. tingles and stuff? Yeah. And tingles in my hands, feet, face, all go pins and needles. My breath starts becoming really short and panicky. Mm-hmm. Even though my, my brain is going, this is totally mm-hmm. safe, this is totally... It's like, mm-hmm. I, I keep saying to the, the consultant and the, the nurses at the hospital, I think there's there's something wrong in my nervous system that it's not firing quite right. I don't think my vagal tone is not there. Mm-hmm. There's something, mm-hmm. if we can get my vagal tone functioning better, mm-hmm. everything is going to be better. And they just look at me like I've made, I'm talking another <laughs> language. And I'm like... No, you're the one talking there's research. I'm like, there's research on how connected the vagus nerve is to the gut. Oh my God. It goes cranial nerve all the way down into the, the gut. The gut and the brain. The gut's the biggest thing. Like, yeah. I am so... It's, I don't know how, like, obviously you go to medical school. I, I find this with uh, the fitness industry as well. Sometimes when people go to college or school or uni, it's like that's the only way that they see. And it's like, nah, there's like, oh my God, you <laughs> just you need to move. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't fit everybody, do you know? Yeah. And, and there's evidence and it doesn't matter, like literally the most... The well, especially medicine, I find I find that it's, it's stronger there. But um, the gut for me is where it all. I mean, the mind, of course, but the gut is the other mind, and everything is going to stem for there. Yeah. Uh, Health wise, information wise, like cause it's supposed. You know so it's in your, your emotional, your emotional yeah. center is all down to your gut microbiome. How that mm-hmm. bacteria balance is in your gut. If you're suffering from anxiety, depression, anything, eczema, IBS, IBD, it's all coming from an imbalance. And this mm-hmm. is fairly new in the last four or five years, and they don't understand yes. it yet mm-hmm. to be able to go, all right, okay, this is how we're going to try and make things better. Mm-hmm. Plus, you've also got the big, the big pharma control thing, but that's another <laughs> 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 But, but see, see those tingles in that as well. Yeah. They can also be signs of deep, deep relaxation. And when you tell me what your experience, I'm actually she's actually really good at that. But it's just that it's 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 relatable to some panic attack symptoms as well. But actually, like that's the symptoms you're kind of going for with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, so so my other half says to me one time. He does the Wim Hof and everything, and I've did it. I don't, I don't do it as much as I probably should, um, but he does it every day. And he's like, what it does is, he says it's so. Well, I think it's good. He says it rips you out of that morning depression, and what he means by that is, see those mornings where you're just like, Ugh, yeah, do I need to do life today. <laughs> it's like that breathing. It. it it reboots your system and it's like rips you out of that thinking. It rips you out of that mode, that state. And I, I think that's what's so wonderful about it. And of course, there's like the multiple immune function yeah. benefits. Um, and I promote it all the time. And I'm like, I'm not even doing it anymore. I need to get back on that. 
<laughs> but uh, relaxation, I think, for anything is, is the absolute key because only then is when your body can go and fix all the bits when, you know, you're not planting food on it hour after hour and when you're not busy doing, then yeah. your system gets time to, to work on the, the attention that it needs. Yeah, regenerates and rebuilds. Where are you with it then? Enough, like psychologically, like with your Crohn's? Um, learning patience. Mm. <laughs> of I got I had another test done a couple of weeks ago, and that's come back that the inflammation markers have come down quite significantly from the last test that I'd had which had only come down tiny, tiny amounts. So it's all moving in the right direction. And I'm getting, I'm working with a medical herbalist. So she's mm. giving me really powerful herbs that... Is it Lucy? Yes. I love Lucy. Oh my God. Lucy as well. Yeah. So, she's so next level. <laughs> yeah. And she has written to my consultant and told him all the stuff that she's given. And like, they're quite happy. He's quite happy with what she's given me. Um, but she's not just looking at the crone stuff, she's looking at mm-hmm. holistic all the, the the sort of the nervous the nervous system stuff that I'm like, this doesn't this is malfunctioning. My dad phoned me on Monday at half past nine in the morning. He doesn't usually phone me. So when he phones I always kinda go, Hello, as if what's happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, I was mm-hmm. talking to my mum and dad about this the other day. So my dad had phoned and he said that I can't hear you. So I was running about the living room and the kitchen trying to get a space where I could get signal. And this was only over the course of maybe 10 seconds. In that 10 seconds, I had already told myself that he was phoning me with some sort of bad news, that somebody mm-hmm. had died or something. And I'm like, oh my God, who could it have been? Who could it have been? Who could it have been? So by the time I'm clinging onto the fridge, finding a signal and he's like, is there any chance that Chris can come and help Brian move house on Thursday? And I'm like, <laughs> Nothing. Fuck. That's all it is. You see, for <laughs> another hour and a half after that, I was still shaking inside, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though I knew that nothing, nothing bad had happened. The whole situation was all in my head, physiologically. That response had happened, so I was straight on the phone to Lucy. I'm like, "See, when you're doing my medicine, you need to give me something to calm these nerves down." Because <laughs> I'm, I just leave it. Does that, <laughs> does that really? <laughs> does that really back to anything where you've had to be like? Or it's the, the bad receiving bad news or something like quite significant. Well, because I, I spoke to my mum and dad about it afterwards, and my dad's like that. Have I ever phoned you with bad news? And I was like, no, that's <laughs> the weird thing. Like when yeah. my, my grand was in in the hospital, and my mum and dad were going up because they they got the call from the hospital to say this is her going. It was my mum that had phoned me when they were having to put down their dog. It was my mum that had phoned me when my grandma passed away, it was my mum that had phoned me, so I'm like, oh my God, and I said to my mum last night when I was over for dinner, I went, I know what it is, why I get that fright when my dad phones, because if he's phoning, something's happened to you. Oh, so that's what you're, that's that's what that must be, and I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. right, I need to to deal with that. My friend, oh, on you go. No, no, I was just going to say, my mum said, but if something happened to me, your dad would come to the door, he wouldn't phone you. And I'm like, so I'm never answering the door again. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, um, you, you'd, you'd be, my, you'd be good to speak to my. I've got a friend that does these things called a clearing session, and it's like you go down the belief. So it's I think this way because, and yeah. you come up with right, what is that? 
And then she goes on and on and on because I had a block with time. So I've not got enough time. You do everything. Like I don't have enough time, time, time. And she's like, I feel this way because. And it ended up that and I back to, you know, laziness and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And I was like, wow. But yeah. it's just about, I dig into I feel this way because. And literally that's all she kept repeating. And it, and it took me back and it all kinds of kind of stuff and then we reframed it and it was like actually uh, I totally seen time in a different way when by the time I was finished with her yeah I do I go for tapping sessions I love tapping so um when I go back to see Jack this 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 craziness is going to be something that we tap on (laughs) see see that so it'll be EFT you do so there's Uh, um, I love EFT as well, but there's a guy called Robert G. Smith. He does faster EFT, right. and ugh, it's so next level. Like, there's only one person that I ever want to train with, and I've trained with Joe Dispenza, really good people, but there's only one guy now on my radar, and it's because of he's basically took hypnosis, NLP, EFT every mind tool you can possibly think of and his faster EFT version goes in at a cellular level and you can literally change the memory at at, at that cellular level it's like memory reconciliation or something it's called he's got like a five-day free course I'll send you the link it's bloody amazing (laughs) Uh, you know but he's in bloody Calabasas or something so I'm trying to manifest him to come to Scotland (laughs) But it's tapping, but it's also all the other stuff. So not only yeah. do you tap at the negative emotional charge or whatever it might be, you can literally, because it's in your head. So say your mother called you ugly your whole life, right? Yeah. With his process, you can go back. So she can't fit in your head, right? So, so, yeah. so she did that to you when you were five and you're still replaying that at 45. Then yeah. you're playing all the different parts. It's imaginary. Mm-hmm. And based on the fact that it's imaginary, that means you can use your amazing imagination and make it whatever the hell you want to make it. So somebody will have a bit of resistance to that. No, she was bad. That's my identity. Yeah. So you tap that out. You tap yeah. all that ego stuff out until you get a point where there's no feeling, there's no emotional charge to it. And then you can you can actually imagine your mother going, you're the most beautiful one. Because it's your head. Yeah. It's not saying the thing never happened. And and I'm totally risking the fact that people being like, she's nuts, but it's fact. I've did it. I've used it. You know, it's changing lives all over the world. And people are so, of course, bad abuse, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Like, but how can I possibly see that in a different way? But you actually can. Yeah. And when you go back and change, all you're doing is you're changing how you hold it in your mind. So it doesn't mean that the person gets away with it. It doesn't mean, you know, that they weren't bad. It just means that for me, I care about how happy you are, how much you like yourself, how much you're enjoying yeah. life. And in order for you to do all of these things, what you're holding in here is going to determine how you feel on a day-to-day basis. And I don't care how many degrees a person's got or whatever, if they come in and they're not happy, then how you, if you're miserable every day, really, 
with the money and all the rest of it going to do anyway. Um, and so there's tools out there, like his five-day free course is it's, it's really cool. It, it really goes in depth about what it is, why it works. Yeah. It's got over 2,000 videos on YouTube, used very good for addiction. It's addiction, mm. food, drug, alcohol, no matter what the addiction is, a person's trying to change a feeling. So yeah. we're all trying to change feelings. I used to try and change stress by smoking fags until I realised that you have to change the stress for the fags to go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like he talks about escapeaholics. He's like 99.9% of people are all going outside, you know, to try and change a feeling that's inside. Yeah. That's going to go with them wherever they go. Your mm-hmm. mind is your mind. You cannot yeah. escape it. And Robert teaches you then how to change how you hold a memory. So it doesn't say it never happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, he, and he'll go on about saying, so what will I be? You know, if this has been my identity, if I've told this story, I've kept those neural connections so strong for 35 years, who will I be like, if I'm not that? And, and, you know, he says it so pleasantly. He's like, you'll still be you. You'll just be happier. And yeah. and it's true. It's like you build that new, a happier identity, and you start doing the things that you want to do. And I don't remember why I get into that tangent, but because <laughs> we're talking kind of EFT. <laughs> <laughs> but then that comes down to what's the story you're telling yourself? What's the narrative you're running in your head? Are you? Did somebody say something to you once, and you've latched onto that, and then you've replayed that in your head all the time? Because it mm-hmm. gives you a feeling, and whether that feeling is negative or positive, it gives you a feeling that you've clung on to. So if you can use an affirmation or something to switch it around, like you were saying right way back at the start of this, like doing positive affirmations have as much power as doing negative ones. Oh, my God. Exactly. And people argue with you, and you're like, well, I was caught fat and ugly when I was in a bad relationship over and over and over again. The whole world could see I wasn't fat and ugly. But it was said to me enough times that that went into my subconscious and started becoming a program in which I operated from. It took yeah. about five years to even think that that might not be true. And then, well, I'm a 15-year work in progress. <laughs> like, I work on myself <laughs> daily. So I'm like, I'm amazing. Like, oh, my God. You know, and it's constant repetition that, that needs, because every thought, send an electrical impulse to your heart so if you're thinking anxious thoughts your heart starts racing you start to sweat you start shallow breathing you're up in your fight or fight response yeah if you start to think about somebody you love a wee dog like a wee baby like a holiday that also sends beautiful feelings around your body and so you get a choice and when you start learning to relax a wee bit more and practice being present, you get that space to have that choice. But if you're an autopilot and you're not working yourself, then no, you don't get a choice because you're just going right to default and yeah. you're you're running from other people's shit yeah. that, you've, that you've downloaded. And you end up then, that's when people have issues with whatever addiction it is, whether it's mm-hmm. drugs or alcohol or food or sex or shopping or Netflix or whatever, because that feeling that they get numbs that pain. Yes. And what oh, I learned. This I... takes that away and mm-hmm. it doesn't. 
Nah, but what I think what I learned was when I went and studied hypnosis, it was like, all right, I need to change the stress for the fags to go. And then the the, the aha was, ah, other things can change that feeling that aren't detrimental to me, like meditation, like hypnosis, like exercise, like positivity, like fueling your body properly so so you still change the feeling with an outside thing as well but it's it's good things instead of going straight to the drugs or the alcohol because the problems are still going to be there ultimately when you sober up (laughs) yeah yeah and then you can't when you're when you do come off like a drinking frenzy or whatever you're then in that low energy low mood it then makes everything feel even worse and it doesn't matter if it's (laughs) Drugs and alcohol are shopping because when your credit card comes bill comes in, you're like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your little high was, you come back down off that high. So it's finding the other things that cultivate the high. Yes, but that that aren't detrimental. Yeah, that that you can tap into because they're inside you. The meditation might be external, but it's actually internal because it's taking mm -hmm. you into you. Eating Mm -hmm. healthy foods is nourishing inside you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bringing the good in Robert Smith he he did a lot of work with addiction like his story is just phenomenal mm-hmm. you know he was battered about with a hammer he was chased home with a bunch of boys and his stepdad his mum had him when he was she was 14 just very volatile alcoholics you know uh, stepdad get chased home one day with a bunch of boys and gets he's like oh my god there's my stepdad he's going to save me and he smashes him about with a hammer in front of the boys and so his story is not easy and for him to go back and change that at a cellular level he sees his dad doing different things and it's not that he forgets that it happened but if he feels better it doesn't it does it does not have that same pull in him yeah. um is what it is what it used to have. So it's, it's honestly, I, I, I am going to become a faster EFTR practitioner. And yeah. he uses the word neuroplastician, which I love. And you shouldn't yeah. talk jargon, but I love that word. It's like yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't really another way to describe neuroplasticity because it's like the brain and the molding. It doesn't sound so good when yeah. you talk about brain molding. Like. <laughs> I, I think, do you know what's so amazing about neuroplasticity is that it's not even hard. Honestly, yeah. people think the brain's complex and it's difficult and it's actually not. Like, I could teach somebody the simplest thing that would change their brain if they did it five or six times. And it's like that that's not hard. Even just speaking to yourself in a different way is brain training. Yep. And you know, it's very plastic and it's very movable. <laughs> um and once you start putting wee roadblocks up to some of those patterns that you've been doing by doing what a basic breathing exercise, your wee neural pathways start to go a different direction. So it does take work, but it's not always hard work, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And when you start to get the buzz from it, it takes it, it any difficulty or willpower or determination it takes you to sit down and do it, that all starts. The more you do it, the stronger that willpower or determination or drive becomes. 
but you then are looking forward to it because you're getting the buzz and you'll you want you're chasing mm -hmm. the good buzz rather than chasing oh, the artificial I do a, a gratitude walk. I am often seen in Bellaston Park running about like a nutter, right? Shouting things. <laughs> but the electricity that runs through my body, I do not care who's watching. The Queen could be there because it's, it's like incantations. So you're running around the park and you don't need to run around the park. You can just do a normal walk in the street. But I, I choose to go to this running track in Bellaston and I'm like running around it and I'm like, all I need is within me now. And you're just <laughs> copying them. And honestly, like the buzz that's just vibing through your body and you just feel like you could fly when, and it's like 15 minutes long, I'll send you it if you want it. Yeah. Um, and it's just so positive and anger. It's all about gratitude. I feel grateful for my arms, like a pure shout <laughs> And you're in that path environment, you've got the, the chakra of your heart and you've got the green trees and any stress, this is crazy, right? I'm, I'm bordering on the, the edge of craziness now, but I've, I've had a lot in my mind or I've been doing back-to-back -back sessions or whatever. I've been at a computer for too long. I'll go straight to the park. And I imagine my head is like full of leaves, right, for the trees. <laughs> and I visualise the blowing and going behind me. And the, the wind's always blowing in Glasgow, so that's pretty, pretty good for that. But <laughs> the instant relief that that gives you is yeah. so simple, but so, so bloody effective. Yeah, nature is amazing. I mean, I, I'm often seen walking around Springburn Park saying hello to the trees and thanking <laughs> the trees and stuff like that and then talking to the dogs. I and love it. It's just last. That means we've been up picking elderflower recently so we can make elderflower oh. cider up and elderflower tea. I've got like week. an elderflower cordial just now that I just got. Yeah, we just nice. made one. Mm. Um, but when, I take, when we take the flowers off, I always thank the, thank the tree for, oh, for the the flowers and the blossoms that we can use. Like, Thank you. Thank you. That is so nice. Talking to the ducks and the swans <laughs> and, and their babies. We need to hang out. <laughs> we'll get locked up together. <laughs> How nice would the world be, though? Like, we could so put the world to rights. <laughs> well, if I start at the north of the city, you start at the south of the city, we'll yes. be in the middle. <laughs> Me with Tony Robbins pumping at my kettle blaster. <laughs> oh man, that, that sounds very appealing to me actually. <laughs> Here's it here oh. first, guys. <laughs> Watch this space. That was another thing actually about you that I loved is you are... <laughs> You have great, is it catchphrases you would, I don't know if I, what I'm trying to say, but you, like your slogans for your books, like nine rules to sort your shit out. How did you come up with that? I'm going to not, I'm going to tell the truth here. One of my friends, like they get the, I self-published my book through Indie Authors World and it was Kim that helped me Amazing. come up with that title because I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to call it. And she's like, <laughs> things like nine nine rules of or nine steps to mm -hmm. or six steps or whatever she's like they are people go all right that's quite it's quite an instruction manual and the way yeah. that I instruction manually 
there's wee stories about my journey and stuff in the book but it's at the end of it it's like here's an exercise go and do this exercise this is going to make you feel better do this do this do this so just to help um like so there's action points that are really straightforward to take so it was kim like because she was like what is it that that you were trying to do here and i'm like we're trying to sort people's shit (laughs) okay that's fine so she helped me then come up with the nine rules to sort your shit that's so cool how did it feel to so about five years ago or longer than that i tried to start writing a book and it was like a fantasized version of my life right it's called mary in it and about this school it was amazing and, I, and all the children would come and get yoga and meditate and oprah was one of the teachers and it was everything that i i found it weirdly apart from that kind of stuff like so much of my life is i'm doing what was in this book right but i, I gave up halfway through because mary had a baby and um she taught this baby in her womb and it was all dead fantasy. Like I was pure playing Mozart and all that and my baby and blah, blah, blah. But then I went through my experience with my actual baby and that sort of a cut the book short. So that was kind of a, how that came to an end. But it's bloody hard, like writing a book. Like how did you feel? A, did you find it hard? And B, what was it like to actually finish it? <laughs> <laughs> so I used to go to the eye cafe on Woodland Road every Saturday oh. after I taught my class. I, t- I would teach I teach Pilates in the um, Dance Teachers Association just in behind the stand. So I would go to the eye cafe and I would sit there until I was bursting for the toilet and I would just write because I, if I went to the toilet I had to take my laptop and my bag and everything and treat it mm-hmm. in. So I would just sit there until I was bursting. So I would get a good three three or four hours. And I did that every week until I had wow. the content of the book. Because originally I had started working with a publisher. So the publisher had given me some deadlines. So gave them all the content because somebody was waiting for it. So that really helped me get there. Mm. When they then got the content and read through it, now the guy was a friend of a friend. So he had read it and he's like, right, we can do something with this book, but you're not going to like the end product because we're going to water mm. you down and we're going to change so much of it that you're not going to be in the book as much as you are just now. He went, and I don't think you'll like that finished product. So what I would suggest is you take this back and do with it what you want. So I was like, right, okay. And I was already friends with Kim at Indie Authors. And I had, after I'd come away from that, that meeting, I came out and I started crying and I wasn't crying because I was sad that he was handing the book back to me. Mm-hmm. I was crying because I was like, shit, I have to do this by myself. That's <laughs> the message that the universe has given me is you, this, this is all on you. You don't need somebody wow. else to help you do it. This is all about you. So I messaged Kim and said to her what had happened. I was like, oh, I'm not going to head to the publisher. And she messaged me back and she was like, this is going to sound weird, but that's good news. I knew you were going to say that there. <laughs> so she then, because that's what her business does, is helps authors get books to mm-hmm. publish. She then helped me do what I needed to do to get it from that to actual being a physical book. And when it came, it was weird, the book came out a month before I started getting unwell. So my book came out in wow. December 2016. And then I started taking unwell early sort of late January 2017 and I was and 
even now I'm like that, that was a lot of that was my shit coming up of Mm -hmm. I've created something that's got to go out there. I don't want to be seen. Mm -hmm. I want to Mm -hmm. hide hide away now. So the the launch of the book wasn't a big deal or anything like that because Mm -hmm. I put it out there and then disappeared off the face of the earth because I had to go and deal with ill health. So I think a lot of that was connected with, with that as well of my insecurities of, oh my God, people are going to read this. What does that mean? I've went through this. I wonder if you did too when you started putting yourself online because it's a big, it does take courage. And I came off social media for years because I couldn't be bothered with fake ass bullshit people trying to sort of, uh, I just can't, I just, I'm so about good relations. Like if, if I don't lift you and you don't lift me, like, don't follow me just to check. I'm not, I'm so not interested yeah. in that superficial level stuff. And um, I've just lost my chain of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> Putting yourself out there. Oh, I, I, I. And so it took me years again to actually go back out there again. And it's not been that long, to be honest, probably just over a year. And it does take courage and I, I just started giving less fucks about what people thought of me, I think, as I, as I kept lighting myself more and kept fulfilling my own soul and letting go of a lot of stupid ideas and maybe people in your head that just is so irrelevant. Um, and so I totally relate to that. Like, it is, it is, what were you like putting a podcast out? Like, did you, did you have any qualms about anything? Hundreds. I don't want people to listen to it, but I do want people to listen to it. And one of, <laughs> one of the guys that used to mentor me when I used to um, be a master trainer for an indoor cycling company, so I was teaching other people how to teach spin, but one of the things that we did was we'd go to a big convention in Blackpool and we'd be in the opera house in the winter gardens on the stage with like 60 bikes and I was all in my head and I remember Doyle saying to me, it's like that, Jen, this isn't about you, it's about mm-hmm. them. And if you mm-hmm. keep your focus on making sure that they're all right and they're enjoying the experience and they're getting something from this, doesn't matter what you do or what you say, as long as that's what the point of delivery yeah. is. And that just t- helped me because I'm I don't like people looking at me. I don't particularly like people listening to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking about something that's not going to be of benefit to somebody yeah. else. Anytime I'm doing something, I'm like, this isn't about me. This is what can somebody else get from it. Mm-hmm. And as long as that's where my focus is. So when I was doing the podcast, it was like, how can I, what can I teach people? What do I want people to know? Yeah. What do I want to, to share that's going to help somebody else when I'm delivering a class, when I'm delivering a session, when I'm doing my Instagram stories or whatever it is. And Instagram mm-hmm. stories really helped me get in front of a camera because you do me it, you too. put it up and it disappears in 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> that, that helps break that self-consciousness. And when I do the Jen and your Jammy stuff, most often it's straight off the back of a meditation. So the ego brain is not really kicked in at this point. It's like, mm-hmm. right, I want to share this message. I ramble something. Sometimes I've come away going, I have no idea what I've just said there, but I've put it out. <laughs> and I don't go back and watch it, apart from when you said to me last the last week, oh, I really liked what you said about that. And I was like, 
did I say about that? And I had to go back <laughs> when I went back and watched it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's quite wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely developed more of a muscle so I, c- I can watch my stuff back and I can listen to myself. But um, I, I, I relate so much to that was what it was for like for me as well. It was like I have overcame so much in my life I have helped a lot of people at this point now and I know some stuff that other people would benefit from. So it was having the bigger why um, was super important for me. But going back to the listening to yourself, like I used to have such an insecurity about my voice, right? Like for years and I used to go to public speaking classes and I just, my confidence with it was crap. And then when I went to my hypnosis course, like people were the first time this had ever happened. I don't know what it was. Somebody's obviously sold me a bad idea about my voice at some point that I've I've obviously believed. But they all started saying, Oh my god, your voice is perfect for this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like that was I, I I resisted that information for way longer than I should have, and I just could not believe and because I, I can speak slow and quite deep and monotone maybe at times, but <laughs> it ended up serving me in the yeah. end. So I think because I would make recordings for clients, I would be having to listen to my voice a lot. And I think it was just brain training. Now I can I can just listen. Although I'm not always a million percent happy, like I, I, can, I can watch and listen to myself. I can still sit and go, oh my God, and pick at things, but... I very quickly shut shut her up. Yeah, yeah. I think she's always going to live there with us. Yes. Like that's and her purpose <laughs> is always to protect us from yeah. bad bad things that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Is that remember this happened the last time, and you can when you when you have that disassociation with her, yes, to be able to put her in check faster when she's full of yep. shit, mm-hmm. and equally mm-hmm. when she's all right. <laughs> actually you're right this time I need to be cautious of this person yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. I am I, um, I teach people that actually so our brain is always just trying to protect us right yeah. and it's just that when we were we these coping mechanisms that we developed was to keep us safe at that specific time but when you grow up your brain doesn't automatically update those systems so it's just going to yeah. keep using them to keep you safe and God, don't phone me whoever you are. Um, you're still there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can't take a um, phone call just now, I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Um, and so fear then is, to me, I don't remember where I got it from, but I heard somebody saying it and I thought, that's amazing. So fear then, if your brain's always trying to keep you safe and you're feeling fear, then fear is, I say fear is love because if something's trying to keep you safe, then it's loving you, it's looking after you. So to try and reframe that fear, you can see it as love. Yeah. I like it. That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) It's so true, though, eh? When you just look oh, at things yeah. in a different way. I know. It's, and it, everything just needs to be reframed. Um, mm-hmm. Ramdas talks about a picture. He's like, you've got a picture of a cloud. And if your frame 
is just to the inside of that cloud. All you see is the grey of the cloud, but if you can take that step back, you can see the edges of the cloud and the blue sky behind it because it's always there. Mm -hmm. And it's just being able to go, right, where does, where does my frame stop? Can I take that frame a little bit wider? Can I step back to see a better yeah. picture of what the story is? I had a client just say to me last week, she said... She's great with like analogies, right? And she went, this is how I see what's happened with us. Uh, she went, it was as if I was looking at this grey picture. She said, and I couldn't figure out what I was missing. But actually now, what I've noticed is that as I step back, it's, a, it's an elephant. And she said, so what happened was I came to you and I couldn't figure out, because I was doing all this stuff and I was, everything was great and I couldn't figure out what I was missing. And you're like, oh, you need to love yourself. And she was like, <laughs> and you know, with two sessions, we had a fortnight apart. And honestly, this girl sat, oh, I could have cried. Like she just, she is the most beautiful soul again. She's just so lovely. And she's amazing in so many ways that that's, that's where that recording's just stopped, Jen. I don't know why at my end. Does yours stop? No, it still says it's recording here. Mm. I'm just wondering if, because we've been on for quite a long time. What time is it? <laughs> it's half one. It's after well, half one. A, I might have a client at half one. <laughs> we better wrap this up. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll pass on that last tangent. Do you want to just wrap up? <laughs> <laughs> we better so that you can get to your client. Yeah. Could, I mean, I think we could probably sit here for the rest of the day. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> We'll maybe do another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, best place for people to find you on social? Instagram, I am most present there. Facebook's too negative. So Mrs. Yeah. Brain Trainer uh, on Instagram is the best place to find me. What about you? Um, Instagram as well. Uh, and I am at I am dot General Wilson on Instagram. And our both podcasts are just the same, eh? Mine's is all Mrs. Brain Trainer across yep. all platforms. And mine's I am Jen Wilson across all platforms. But what we can do is in the show notes we can put links to yeah, yeah, yeah. People, each other's websites, each other's all that stuff. And yeah, then it's it. each other's podcasts and then it's easy for everybody to find. Yeah. Oh well. Right. You I'll get oh. this downloaded and sent over to you so you can get it on the call to get your bits edited yeah. and stuff like that. Yay, thanks. It's cool. So good to talk All to right. you. So good to talk to you. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IamJenWilson.